Welcome to the Market Talk podcast sponsored by WealthPress, where we believe if you're investing uninformed, you're screwed. Get the inside scoop on what's driving the markets today and what that means for your money, all in just 15 minutes. Well, hello, traders and investors. My name is Roger Scott. I'm the head trader for Wealth Press. Today is Thursday, August 27th. It's the last week of August. September's around the corner. Today's a really, really big day. Why? Well, let me show you. In about uh, 12 minutes, we've got GDP and we have jobless claims. Let's take one by one, but let's start with global economy. Let me get through the main points of today. Then I'll get into the U.S. data, then I'll get into the sectors, and then I'll get into the stocks. The way I'm doing this video mimics the way I analyze the stock market. I start at global, then I go into the U.S., then I go into the sectors, then I go into the stocks, then I go into the options. I do it layer by layer. I don't start with the stock and then go into the global economy. That way, everything moves from the top to the down and it's like peeling it's like peeling the onion i peel the layers till i till there's nowhere else to go so again we have jobless claims gdp i'll talk about that in a minute let me start with the global data so investors are looking for fed jerome powell is speaking today he's actually speaking in about 55 minutes i'm going to say something about jerome powell this guy does not know how to play poker nobody ever taught him how to keep things close to the vest he he talks and talks about everything he's foreseeing and he doesn't keep anything close. And that's not really great because the Fed is supposed to keep us on our toes and guessing every step of the way. I mean, do you guys remember some of the old older Feds? They didn't do it that way. They, were, they kept everything cl- under close guard. It was like they were getting interrogated by the police. Yes, no, very ambiguous answers. This guy, just he loves to tell what he's thinking. And that's really not what the Fed should be doing. So that's my thing. He's a fairly smart guy. He's responsible, but he's he's um, he just loves to tell people everything that he's he's thinking, and people take it as what's going to happen. And there's a big there's a big disconnect there. But I'll save that for another time and day. So investors are looking ahead for our chairman to speak, and I don't think it's going to have any impact. He's going to talk about whether rates are going to be. Uh, at the current level and we already know that fed is not because they've told us a million times that they're not going to raise rates for the foreseeable future he's going to talk about central bank he's going to talk about um oh and and it's being held online this year so that's the other part of it that's interesting this year forecasters expect powell to talk about inflation and the importance of congress delivering more economic aid after its last round of stimulus expired partisan disagreements have prevented an agreement and again i think the market's seeing a huge influx of capital and if it wasn't seeing this influx of capital it wouldn't be at new highs the problem is you can't put a band-aid on a gaping wound that's the big problem and we don't know how big that wound is going to be for the next two quarters the latest data shows you economic u.s economic activity has slowed following its initial rebound after the pandemic and that's expected The Fed has been primary reason for the stock market to return to record. And central banks, let's give them some credit too. Crude oil remains, crude oil has literally been stuck at the $43 level, but that's okay. 
because if crude is at $43, that means U.S. producers are not bleeding because they're at least paying less for the oil, for, for a barrel of oil than what they're selling it for because the price of crude oil is like $37, between $37 and $41 a barrel. That's the cost they have to pay in the U.S., believe it or not. So anything above 40 is very, very positive because at least the company's not bleeding. It's like airlines. Maybe they're not making a lot of money, but it'd be great if they stopped bleeding. They're still bleeding. The cruise lines are bleeding hard, but crude oil, at least the bleeding has stopped. The, the level of supply is through the roof, but right now I believe that at least, at least we're kind of sitting on the sideline and time is working to our advantage because it's not costing us billions and billions of dollars a month to maintain the business. But I'm sure there's other unmentionable expected expenses and I'm seeing a lot of washout in the next couple of years in the energy industry. Also, not just because of what happened with the pandemic, but because of because of energy, because of green energy, especially if Democrats take the White House, that's there's going to be a huge influx going into green energy. And it's the future. You can't stop it. So, and, and it's really becoming prevalent right now. So that's the other factor. And it's taking over the world. And I mean, 20, 30 years from now, most of the things that are operating right now on energy are going to be operating, at least at least residential non-commercial is going to be operating on batteries cars 20 years from now you'll be very lucky to find an uh, a gas engine anyway let's talk about gdp gdp the biggest report of the quarters coming today this reflects two-thirds of our economy excuse me retail sales reflect two-thirds of the economy and are in the gdp so what i'm trying to say is that gdp reflects on the re retail sale of the economy and retail sales have been really great. They've been going online, but they've been really, really good. The problem here is look at the consensus. When things were hunky-dory pre-COVID-19, we were we were humming at positive two, positive two and a half. Now we're looking at negative 33 and 31. What amazes me, what amazes me is that the GDP is down literally over a third or about a third and, and the stock market's making you highs. It's just, it's straight out of a book. But with that said, if the number is worse than 33, and I don't see how it could be, but it's worse than 33, we're going to have some, there's going to be a better argument for more money coming into the market, for more help from the Fed. If the number is, say, 29, 28, 27, 26, we could potentially see a rally in the market. And I know we're setting the goals really low. I mean, why not 40% down? I mean, the number last time was like negative 20 to negative 40. But the bottom line is, this is bad. This is bad. And the stock market is not reflecting this. But the economy is in a bad place right now. In terms of employment data, um, last time, last week, we, we, file, we saw filing of 1,176,000 claims. This week, we're looking at, I'm sorry, the four-week average is 1,176,000 claims. The initial claims last week was 1.16 million. The consensus is 987,000. This number here, 925,000 to 1.1 million, it's better than the four-week average. Any number, whether it's even 1.15, as long as it's better than the four-week moving average, we're good, and I think we're gonna see that. The bottom line is any number below 1.176, 1.15 is adequate. We'll take it, but the number is looking bad. I mean, it's not looking good at all. Now, I wanna show you guys something. These are my top 10 sectors. 
and I'm starting to see a lot of, um, and remember, technology, consumer discretionary, they, they tend to trade together. For example, Amazon, Apple. Is Apple a consumer discretionary company or is it a tech company? Well, if I put 50 people here and 50 people here, they're going to argue for a long time. Same thing with, with, with Amazon. Is Amazon a consumer discretionary company? Of course it is. Is it a tech company? Of course it is. Uh, I mean, they do a lot of server work for commercial. We use their servers. So yes, it's both. So you're going to have a lot of um, mix between tech and a consumer discretionary, which is why they're always together. Whenever you see technology and consumer discretionary apart from each other, that means the market is getting fragmented. And that's another problem. But I'm not going to get into that right now. The bottom line is I am seeing and I'll show you why. I mean, I've been I've been talking about this forever, but you could see here the Nasdaq. We are just we are just so overbought. Look at the divergence uptrend. Stochastic levels. I mean, look at this thing. It's just look at the RSI level here. We're at 79. We are due to the for a bounce, so we're probably going to shift lower over the next few days. Also, and, and this is a big one. This is a big one. Let me show you this very, very quickly. I didn't even have a chance to log in. I just wanted to show you. Look at put the call ratio. Very, very bullish, extremely bullish. And that's telling us the stock market is overbought. Both the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 just way, way overbought. NASDAQ 100 has mostly consumer discretionary technology and some healthcare. Healthcare is already taking a backseat, as you could see right here. And this is on a cumulative basis. If you look on a one-month basis, look how it falls down even further. It's on eighth spot. So healthcare is moving down. So the NASDAQ 100 is being held up by consumer discretionary and, and technology. And I think we're going to see a little cool-off, and I'm seeing more upside in basic material and industrial stocks and also consumer staples. And again, if you look at a one month basis, you will see industrial, consumer staples, basic materials, they're all up there. So I'm gonna focus today on basic materials and industrial stocks. I think these stocks are gonna have a run. So Lind, Lind, this is a, let me show you the stock, show you what they do. This is a material, basic material stock. They're in the oil field services, but they don't produce energy. It's an industrial gas and engineering company. It's formerly known as Praxair. Um, the company's been doing really well. Five-year revenue, 130%, five-year dividend growth. They're not bleeding money. Five-year earnings growth, one-year return, 36%. Most importantly, if you look at earnings per share versus previous quarter, and if you look at earnings growth, it's higher. That is positive. Also, the company's giving out dividends, which is really, really great, and if you look at the stock on a one-year basis, it is making you highs and it's breaking out of a trading range. So I like this stock. I would buy near the, I would buy near the, if it breaks out a little higher, near the 255 level. And I would put a stop loss right at the 239.90 level, right below the swing low here. And if it breaks the swing low, then we may re-enter it, but not going to be too happy about it. The bottom line is I like it on a buy stop right around the 255 level and if it breaks 240 we don't really want this stock or two if it breaks 239 we really don't like this stock another stock that i'm looking at and this is the in the industrial sector is ups folks think think about it retail online retail sales are up like 150 percent um target up 97 percent from a quarter ago all right 
Uh, Walmart up 197%. How do you think those things are coming to your house? They're being shipped. They're being shipped by UPS and they're being shipped by FedEx, which is my second one. Now, I gave you these stocks a few days ago. So I like FedEx. I like UPS. I like these stocks. They're both breaking out. Um, I would wait on the FedEx and UPS, but I like the other stock right now, actually. The Lint Place ticker symbol LIN. I like this stock right now for a buy. I would hold for a little pullback on UPS and FedEx, but I think Lint is ready to go. I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great day. Thanks for listening today. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you're listening from today so you don't miss any important news regarding your money and your investments. Have a great rest of your day. My name is Roger Scott and happy trading.